0: Welcome to our Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel, a transformative leader and executive coach in areas of public policy, social change, and spiritual entrepreneurship. We understand that today's life and social challenges require a more holistic approach, including spiritual tools, thoughtful dialogue, and of course, community building. Join us in the conversation.
1: God's presence in this gathering. God of compassion and truth, we ask today that you make each of us an instrument of your peace. Weave us into a community showing forth your power and tenderness. Bless us and our differences and undergird our courage to stand together. We call on you today to gather us in your love lead us to better know you and glorify you on each step of the journey of our lives. Amen. And we will say our confession together. You can mute yourself at home, and I'll read it aloud for us, but you can read it with me on mute. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Amen. We have a volunteer who would read from First Thessalonians chapter 5. would like to read? I can read it. Thank you.
0: Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, to warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus.
1: Thank you, Sherry. Who would like to read the gospel from John this week? Thank you.
0: Okay. Let me get back to the. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus fell the young donkey and sat on it. Just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. The whole new king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt.
1: Thank you, Helen. <laughs> Would anybody like to read the
0: insight from Swedenborg? I'll read it. Thank you. Seen in its own right, a spiritual inner self is an angel of heaven. And while it is living in the body, it is also in the company of angels, even though it is not aware of being so. And once, the, once it is released from the body, it joins them. A merely earthly inner self though, when seen in its own right, is not an angel, but a spirit, and is also in the company of spirits while it is living in the body. However, it is with spirits who are in hell, and after it's released from the body, it joins them. The deeper levels of the minds of people who are spiritual are actively raised up toward heaven because that is their primary focus while the deeper levels of the minds of people who are merely earthly are actively turned toward this world because that is their primary focus for all of us our inner levels which are levels of our higher mind are turned toward what we love above all and our outer levels which are levels of our lower mind are turned in the same direction as the inner.
1: Thank you. Well, happy Palm Sunday. I want to talk today about the loneliness epidemic in our country and I really want to talk about ways that we can look at building community and that uh, what can we learn from our traditions that can help us. Today we celebrate Palm Sunday, and we remember Jesus coming into Jerusalem, as we heard in the rock opera, Jesus Christ Superstar, and in the lesson from John. And despite the fact that Jesus was being targeted by the religious establishment, and despite the fact that his disciples begged him not to go into Jerusalem, he marches in riding on the back of a donkey to adoring fans who are waving palm branches. And this really is the way a king is greeted. And Jesus' miracles have gotten a lot of attention. And he is getting a lot of attention as he walks, uh, as he rides, actually, into Jerusalem. And so with this event, this day, Palm Sunday, we begin Holy Week. And it's an interesting week in terms of the different relationships. It starts today with a crowd of fans. It'll move on Thursday, which is called Holy Thursday or Monday Thursday, into the Last Supper, a very intimate community. And the week will end with Jesus, lonely and tortured on a cross, asking why he's been forgotten. The movement from the crowd to the community to loneliness is dramatic in Holy Week and represents different phases of our own lives. There are times when we feel we're with the crowd, times we need to be in community, and there will be times when we will feel alone. I think this theme of crowds, community and loneliness is very relevant in our country today. One day we can really feel like we're part of a crowd, particularly now that so much is online. And that's been a blessing for us here at the church that we're able to do these services during the pandemic. But it has a downside too that many people, particularly younger people, believe that the online crowd is the community. Deep community over a meal with close friends and long term relationships is much harder to find, particularly this year of the pandemic. We were already suffering an epidemic of loneliness, particularly among our younger generation. And now we've seen, unfortunately, a spike in suicide, particularly among our younger members of our community. So, this is a very serious topic. Now, crowds like the one that Jesus is greeted by on Palm Sunday, well, they're not really community. Uh, Many of the same people who are in that crowd welcoming Jesus on Palm Sunday will be the same people on Good Friday who will yell, crucify him to Pontius Pilate when he asks, should I let this man go free? And that happens today, too, with our crowds on social media. Today's our media, uh, today's media darling, you know, that very famous person is tomorrow's canceled person. The mob could go for them. And it seems like in our culture, we almost enjoy putting people up in the crowd and Hosanna, Hosanna. And then only a short time later, kind of ripping them down. It's a very unhealthy crowd that we're facing online at times. And even as we pack ourselves into large cities, more and more people, though surrounded by the crowd, can feel quite lonely. So the crowd, the fan, it's no substitute for community, and it can, it can actually lead to loneliness. My favorite uh, social anthropologist is Jonathan Haidt, who I've gotten a chance to become friends with and he has a, a great line in uh, a great observation in, in his book The Coddling of the American Mind uh, that he wrote with Greg Lukianoff. He observed that around 2012 we saw a huge spike in loneliness and depression and even suicide among young people and he concludes through his research that what really was different was those young people had been raised almost in uh completely through their whole life on social media and that the the social media the crowd had led them to uh great feelings of missing out uh fear fomo if you've heard that expression fear of missing out Um, and it was acutely worse among young women than it was young men the theory being that the the boys were playing video games but the girls Uh, according to this theory, we're watching each other and feeling like I didn't get invited to that. I don't look like that. Um, I don't have that life. And it led to greater depression. So in some ways, our culture is substituting the illusion that the crowd is community. But it's not. In our recent strategy call for the church, we were talking about marketing, and I'm so pleased that Steve um, Reached out to someone. and I'm glad Matt's here. I'm glad we have new people. That's awesome. Um, But we were asking what would be the strategies and one of the people that was recommending it said that uh, I should do programs on a new social media called Clubhouse and all it really is. It's all uh, audible. It's not visual and you go into various rooms and various topics and they thought we should create one on spirituality. So uh, I'm frankly a little overwhelmed by social media apps. and wasn't too excited about the idea, but I did listen in and it's, it's actually quite interesting. You can go into a room on people doing marketing advice to impact investing to politics. It's, 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 it's quite interesting. But what I realized as I started attending these rooms that everybody in the room would talk about the number of followers they had and who followed them. And many of the people in the room uh, that I was in had millions of followers. Um, so that's become a new currency in our culture is what is the size of your crowd it's not just on social media our religions have moved toward the crowd and away from community our most successful churches are really mega churches that broadcast more like a tv they have a crowd but there's often a lack of community people watch it like they would any other consumer product and the organization sells things, but it's, it's, a, it's not a substitute for community. And now, of course, the pandemic has made everything worse because people have been moving online completely and forced out of community. We're really losing that art of what it is to build community that generations previous us to, had known and worked hard on. We don't really have those muscles. So Jesus knew how to uh, draw a crowd beyond Palm Sunday. If you think about him feeding the multitude with the fishes and uh, the great work he did with crowds. So he knew how to get a a crowd, but I do find it absolutely fascinating and worth noting that when God came to earth as a human and could have just as easily spoken to crowds and just done big events, he didn't. He gathered in a time and space and he created a loving community of very diverse people, including tax collectors, fishermen, Uh, possibly former prostitutes, sisters. um, And he built within that a community that he could love and care about and would care about him, showing that that's something we all need. Thursday night when he was arrested, he broke bread with his disciples in a real deep act of community. It was a special night. He washed their feet as a lesson to say that to follow him was to be in community in service to others and to be humble. It's not what's in it for me, it's how can I serve? When Jesus teaches us to love God and our neighbor, he's teaching us that all faith comes through community. It comes from growing with others. Even in our radically individualistic culture, spirituality, growing in our faith, is not something we can do alone. It is something we do in community. I find Swedenborg's insights here very interesting, at least to me. I don't know if you'll agree, but we'll have that in the discussion. But he stresses that we're all in spiritual communities on this planet, including we are in community with angels. He has this great line there we read today. We are in the company of angels. We have communities around us supporting us in our life. And when we transition out of this life, we gravitate to the community that shares our deepest love. If our love was only ourselves, We gravitate to communities of people who that's what they have. They love themselves. But if we love others as we are commanded, we can move to communities just like that, that are working with us even on this side. It's kind of a frightening prospect. Imagine the most selfish person that you've ever met who lacks any empathy and it's always about number one. Now imagine that person in a community with other people just like that. That's a pretty scary thought. And that is what we would, know, we, would, we would know as hell. Now imagine a community of people that are loving and caring and that, that person and imagine a community of people just like that forever. And that's what we would call heaven. So community is something that we experience here on this sphere. It is something that we, can, we will continue for uh, into the next sphere. Now, what about why we're here? What can we do to create healthy community in a society that's quite lonely and quite isolated. Well, to start, this will sound like a commercial, but we need to worship together. Uh, I recently read the research of uh, the surveys of people's mental health states during the pandemic. And I was surprised at something that really jumped out of the data. And that is while most people have dropped precipitously you know, down, in their mental health, and we've heard a lot about that, and it's been quite traumatic. One group went up four points, and that was people who worship together on a weekly basis. I think that's a pretty amazing story, and I think if our culture wasn't so secular, we might hear more about it, but that's an amazing thing. And I I will say in my own personal life, I'm very grateful for this community, for being together with you through this time that we've had together. I think what it would have been like if I was just completely isolated on my own, I think it would have been difficult. Now, this art of creating community, it was well known among previous generations, but it's really become a lost art. Uh, Our culture uh, pretty much has been trained to be consumers. We get what we want when we want it. And the idea that we're going to compromise or be there for others is something that's not really in our equation. Uh, many of you know that I, I do work at Pepperdine School of Public Policy. And I was putting together a conference with leaders um, a few years back. And I met this amazing young woman named Rachel Barkley. She was a communications director for the uh, Congress. Uh, smart, bright, attractive young woman who uh, I really enjoyed getting to know. And we did a couple uh, conferences together. And then she told me the great news that she was pregnant. And then uh, after giving birth, A week after giving birth, the doctors discovered a tumor, a very rare tumor on her spine. And she had given birth successfully, the child is in great shape, but she suddenly lost the ability to walk. And uh, here she's, uh, I'm guessing, uh, I shouldn't, but I would say about 30 years old. And here she was in a whole new world with a baby and an inability to walk. And what I was so stunned by in her life was that every dinner for her was delivered by somebody in her church or who worked with her on the hill, and using technology, she was able to put together uh, with her husband a way of uh, taking care of meals. And uh, I was I was happy to be part of that, and it was uh, fascinating to to watch. Um, today she's meeting the odds and she's beginning to learn to walk again. And she and I did another webinar this last fall. And she's now uh, in a new community, which she spoke about the disability community that she's advocating for and she's learned about. But what was so um, interesting is I asked her to explain about social capital, building community. What, how did that happen? That she had all these people doing so much. And in fact, the, a GoFundMe campaign that raised $70,000 for her medical bills And she explained it in a very deliberative way. And I share this long story because I think it's valuable for us to take a message from. That she said she and her husband spent their time investing in community before this all happened. And they did it very deliberately. They planned it. She said, much like you would put money into your retirement account, she viewed social capital of high importance and something she would invest in. She was always there for her network of friends. I was really surprised uh, hearing this from this young person and it was so clear that when the time came for her to take out of that investment, uh, it was well invested. I never really thought of it that way so much that social capital is something we have to invest into. It makes perfect sense now that she said it, but it's an interesting lesson for us that if we are only withdrawing in a crisis, um, and never depositing in social capital, it's, it's very difficult. So it's something we can do proactively now if we care about community is invest ourselves in community now, invest in social capital. I'm very grateful as your pastor that in the relationship we've had, it's been exciting for me in a way that um, I spent much of my life doing consulting or teaching or strategy or coaching but being in this community, it's very real. It's very real. Uh, we are very diverse people. We are very different, different ages, races, sexual orientations, uh, political views, religious views. And I love that despite that, we find ways to create a community. And I think that's the secret. And this past week, I felt the pain when I heard about a shooter in Boulder. And it turned out that for sure in Scott, that's right in their neighborhood. In boulder colorado and i didn't know if they had left florida or if they were in boulder and sure enough they were in boulder when i spoke with them and we've never actually met but through this year and i could really feel a connection and an immediate concern um, through the community that we've created and be immediately in prayer i'll also say as we've witnessed this sort of unprecedented level of attacks on Asians American you know I've I've been really feeling for Annabelle and she posted recently on Facebook how her mother now with the vaccine didn't want to go to the store for fear of being attacked that's so sad but I could feel that community long distance because of the investment uh, and the caring and the relationship that's been built up our pastor of our Swedenborgian Korean church in New York told me that he's No longer able to ride the subway in new york for fear of being attacked so in the midst of a time when we need communities these terrible acts keep reappearing and we have to double down even harder community spiritual community it's something we have to invest in fans are great but they're no substitute for it the illusion that crowds can lift us out of loneliness is only for the short term. We at this church have to be a place that can build community for so many people who feel isolated. And we can continue to grow spiritually as we, in community, we become more aware of ourselves as we engage with others. So thank you to all of you for being part of this adventure in these challenging times of building spiritual community. Amen. And we will have a discussion about the sermon during the uh, social time we'll have together after the service. Uh, but at this time, we uh, if you could uh, make your donation, that would be great. We have our virtual... Uh, I'll put it in the chat. Uh, we have a virtual offering that goes out. I put it in the chat. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, thank you for all the support that you've been giving for our virtual community. It's been greatly appreciated. We do what we do every week, which is community prayers. And we could all pray alone, but there's something very valuable about sharing our burdens with one another in our prayers. So what we do is if you have a prayer, you just lift it up, you can unmute, say it, and the rest of us will join in by saying, Lord, hear our prayer. So are there any prayers that people would like to lift up at this time? Special prayers for a friend of mine uh, who was the victim
0: of a very sophisticated online banking scam. Uh, He's having a very bad time right now with depression. And uh, for all those who are feeling lonely or down, uh, we ask that the Lord give them encouragement.
1: Lord, hear our prayer. This is
0: Helen. I'd like to give a prayer of many, many thanks to Malcolm, who brought me a beautiful vase full of cut daffodils from his garden after he had finished cutting his grass for the first time
1: this year. It brightens the bedroom, and this my spirit's
0: thank of many... Thanks, Malcolm. Lord, we prayer. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel. We invite you to reach out to us with your questions and comments as well as proposed topics for discussion. Sending you love and light. Till next episode.